Hello, all. Welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 385, and today we'll be talking about the domino effect and taking charge from Amphibia. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So I, I know I've talked before about how cartoons really don't need to surprise me to be good, and I think these are two episodes that uh, really, you know, you know, show that to be true. Like, you were able to, well, I was able to figure out the quote-unquote twists on this pretty early, but I still enjoyed watching it play out, which is why I don't really get concerned when people spoil me on content, unlike Anne, who is still in the very heavily spoiler-phobic phase of her fandom. Yeah, despite the plots being really typical sitcom plots, I mean, bringing home a pet and it turns on you, and someone watches a TV show or does something that they just said that they weren't interested in doing, you know, it's been there. It's been tread. SpongeBob did it better. <laughs> well, I don't know. I actually, what, what was, uh, oh, I should know the SpongeBob episode you're referencing. Krabby Patty. Oh gosh. Yes, that's true. I think SpongeBob did in that case. Squidward truly did learn that it goes all to your thighs. Hop Hop also had a similar fate, I suppose, since he learned electricity goes all to your entire, you know, nervous system. No, Anne's the one who learned. Wait a minute. Human bodies are conductive. Yeah. (laughs) Although supposedly uh, this would be extremely damaging to frogs, but I guess everyone survived despite the fact that we could see their skeletons, you know, several times. Yeah, that that was uh, that was really impressive. Although uh, when they were all blown away from the what is it? Zappapede Mountain. I, I just could not help but think of modern RPG design, where because they refuse to put in like teleporters or something, they have to conspire, especially in Skyrim. They love doing this in Skyrim. They have to conspire a way to give you a shortcut out of the dungeon uh, once you've completed it. And it's like it gets really contrived really fast. Right. In this case, just being shot through the air from the force of electric shock. Very convenient. <laughs> But hey, it does its job, right? Much like Domino 2 did for most of the Domino effect, I love how immediately Anne picked a replacement cat and how, you know, obviously inappropriate it was the entire time. This is very cute. (laughs) Although, I don't know, cats are about this level of maintenance and evil anyway, so I don't really know how much different it is. I thought that that joke wrote itself. As soon as she said, she was irreplaceable. And it's like, okay, we can all see what joke is coming next. (laughs) And then it was funny. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Amphibia does that very well. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to make a cartoon I like to watch. And that's what we have here. Well, and you get, you know, the lovely acting of Hop Hop in this one is so beautiful. Yes. His relationship that, you know, we see end to end with Charlie Big Bottom is super funny. <laughs> it's just like, he's so mad, but he loved that little rascal. And that's a, that's a really cute little subplot occurring. He looked at me like he understood me. And then where do I find him? In the chimney. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, who hasn't had a cat like that, right? Yeah. Su- subtly in these two episodes, we, uh, you know, since we're only a few episodes into the start of the show, they are nice reminders that Anne is is missing home, right? Both uh, the cat is, you know, trying to connect her literally to her pet at home. And then it's not just the TV show, but everything on her phone is a reminder that, you know, she's still connected to another place. I guess at this point, she's probably been in Phibia for over a month. But, you know, it's settling in that this is not going to be a short term situation. 
but you know that's not really it's 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 pretty small in these episodes right it's not meant to be dramatic or uh you know particularly impactful but it's there right it's little reminders and i appreciate that driving you know the comedy of these as well oh you want you want to talk about comedy i have yes. <laughs> uh, what i consider to be a gigantic gaping plot hole did i did i overplay it enough the the size of the plot hole mm-hmm. that i found in taking charge so what is it sprig and polly mentioned something from episode eight of suspicion island and then when we're seeing the overview of hop pops like oh before i knew it i had watched the entire season and it's like there were only two episodes left it's a 10 episode season he watched two episodes <laughs> That is weird. This is a gaping plot hole. But also, is it a gaping plot hole that Anne was disturbed her phone battery had been depleted when it only would have taken another night's worth of watching TV to kill it with no plan yeah. to recharge it? I mean, no, that's that's Anne being Anne. She's been consistently short-sighted and selfish the the whole time. So I think the only problem was, well, I wasn't there for the last bit of battery. Yeah, I guess. Like, you know, she's she's nice and everything, but you know, you know how there are like these YouTube videos that like take character actions out of context and make it like I could go through the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh and make a rabbit is a sociopath, Tigger is a so- sociopath, Pooh is a sociopath. I could make videos saying all of those characters <laughs> are terrible people by taking episodes out of context because that's just how the shows are written. And <laughs> You know, Anne's a nice person, but she also makes it really easy to make an Anne is a sociopath video, <laughs> which, no, I'm not going to do that. You're welcome. On some level, I think most cartoon characters you can do that with at some point, right? Their their decisions are just not as rational, seemingly. But Anne's a middle schooler. She makes it too easy. Yeah. There's no sport in it. <laughs> Speaking of an easy sport, what do you what do you think between Killapillar and uh zapapede what's your what <laughs> can can you Ooh. do better than those amazing monster names oh, oh oh i thought we were talking about a versus match between them in which case i was going to go <laughs> ahead and give it to the zapapede since it seems to have an ultimate physical defense um yeah. but i don't know that Killipeter is pretty vicious i'm so adorable though like oh i mean i don't i hate bug fur it's disgusting but if it was cat fur and not bug fur oh Come and give Daddy a hug. <laughs> and since I'm not an amphibian, he doesn't want to eat me. Bonus points. Yeah, I do like that it had no interest in, in eating Anne. That, I don't know, made it funnier <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> like, she's not harmed by her own decision to bring it into the family. Yeah, yes, exactly. She was never in danger. It was just the other people in her life that had to bear the consequences for her actions. Yeah, that's classic, uh, classic middle school decision making there. But yeah, this is this is this is why we need small cats and you're not allowed to own tigers because tigers are just cats that are bigger than you instead of smaller than you. Well, okay, that's not true because domesticated cats also have something that tigers lack and that is thousands of years of as I said domestication, which is something I'm like, "And you're missing part of the equation. When taking in a wild animal, it's not just showing it love that's important, it's it having the genes that allow it to live with humans well." Yeah, <laughs> I don't think she was, a, you know, considering any of that. <laughs> you know, she's a middle schooler. She Her entire experience with animals is, well, I found a stray cat. And, you know, let's never mind that that cat had been bred to live with humans. It hadn't lived with humans. 
So I did it. I'm perfect. What was that? What's that? The Dunning-Kruger effect where you uh, don't understand the your own gaps in knowledge? Is that the, yes. is that the right name for yes. it? Like, you know, I may be a cat person, but I know enough about animals to know that maybe I don't fare so well if I get the tiger. <laughs> Although just imagine how awesome that would be if you did have a tiger you could, like, like you know, like Princess Jasmine had Raja. Right, yeah, Animal Companions. I mean, I think uh, another show demonstrated that a lot better. If you were a Steven, wouldn't you want a lion? Yeah, I'll spec into Ranger for uh, for an Animal Companion. I'll take a one-level dip. Did you, uh, is this the first time we've seen Sprig playing the violin? Um, I don't know. Doesn't he do that in the theme song? I feel like I've seen it before. Okay, well then maybe, like, in episode and not in the theme song. It was cute. I had the I had the same reaction, though, that Anne did when she saw Sprig's hair. Wait, you have hair? That was very surprising. <laughs> yeah, they got the Finn moment out of the way way earlier, right? Oh, hair. He ne- he needs time to grow it out. Like, Finn had some luscious locks. Yeah, that's true. Sprig's just got the little, little carrot top, but it's cute. Although, I think we saw Finn's hair in season one as well. That was the... Oh, now, if, if I remember correctly, that was actually the same episode of Adventure Time that was playing on Chloe's television in We Bear Bears when they went over to see her. That was the the witch. And I think that was the episode Chloe was watching. So many connections. Yeah. Much like I, I, I couldn't help but see Sprigg's music playing, walking along, you know, the bluffs and just being reminded of... Well, both Steven singing like a giant woman and also just walking around in serious Steven with his ukulele. And, you know, with Ben Levin being the connecting material in the show, it's just like, oh, I can't help but think that that was inspired. Also, their little scene on the bridge and the way that they talk to each other inspired by television felt very much like the, you know, sort of fusion of the mundane and the fantastic so it was, I don't know, very Steven universe feeling little scene there. I made me smile. <laughs> I mean, but don't you just wish Hop Hop had come clean to them a lot sooner than that? Because <laughs> just think about it. Like, what does he really gain by uh, keeping... Well, okay, no, I guess in Hop Pop's case, he doesn't want to admit that he likes it. You know, again, he's being a Squidward at this moment. You know, after I insulted it like that, she'll never let me live it down but like realistically okay we're all going to go solve this problem so i might as well tell you now that it's my fault i'm sorry let's go fix this but no he has to be the man of culture yeah i know i like how for him it's this build up and surprise it's it's great that in the episode it's very clear to us what's happened the whole time but for everyone else it's like no way but you know for him it's this big thing well, yeah, yeah, like, for us, it's like, Hop Pop was the prospect, but they could have gotten away with a fake-out where it was actually someone else. They could have they done that if they wanted, but, I mean, like, they made it pretty clear what they wanted. Yeah. But imagine if Pearl had to admit that she really did love Little Butler, right? It would be devastating. Or, no, worse, if she had to admit that she loved eating. <laughs> she does eat it, well... You know, maybe she eats a cookie cat in the end. I don't know. I've never seen the final episodes of Steven Universe. I don't know any spoilers. <laughs> you don't want to. I want to know what it was revealed that Suspicion Island turned out to be. We'll never know. Okay, so that's your one big lore drop. Besides the, the subtlety of Anne missing home, it's 
that line that makes me oh. think, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, it turned out the island was really, ah, spoilers. You know, the nature of these connected dimensions is something that's um, still not really explained. So, I mean, I feel like that line is there to make you be thinking about Amphibia. How could, how could you not? Okay, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. I don't think the island's secretly a giant robot, though. Aw. It'll, it won't be like in uh, the Craig of the Creek Capture the Flag finale. Which I haven't actually seen yet, so... What? I know. Okay, you need to you need to watch that. I know. Well, we just need to cover it again. <laughs> as long as we cover cartoons, it ensures. It's just fun when things are secretly robots. Let's put it that way. It's like, uh-huh. wait a minute, don't tell me. This place is actually secretly a robot. It ain't a secret <laughs> if you tell everyone. He said while pulling out the remote control. <laughs> Look forward to that line. I don't even know why that came up as an example in my head. Is there other f- examples of fictionally things that turn out to be giant robots? I don't know. Uh, giant robots, I don't know, but I, I can't believe we're, we've been talking about SpongeBob all this time. I can't, I can't believe <laughs> that that one Mr. Krabs was secretly a robot the whole time. That's right. Bebop, beboop. No, I'm thinking of the the. Who are you calling steam-driven? Nope, now you lost me. <laughs> That's not in Spongebob. Oh, yes it is. That's when uh, Spongebob and uh, Plankton has the robot, Mr. Krabs. Oh, when he has the... Okay, yeah. I was thinking of Mr. Krabs being suspected of being a robot. Yeah, you're thinking of Crabborg. Yes, I love that Mr. Krabs being a robot is inspected in multiple episodes of that show. But, you know... Something about late-stage capitalism and your, you know, robotic money-mining boss. Something, something. But yeah, we've uh, we've been spending all this time talking about the magic of Amphibia without talking about those Zapapedes are apparently more magical than we give them credit for because they are able to charge Anne's battery to a hundred times the capacity that it's capable of accepting. So it's like a TARDIS, but with electricity. I'm glad they wrote that in. You know, it's it was needed, but I and I'm glad, you know what, this is technically episode like eight, so sure, it needed to happen, but I wish they'd explained even earlier how her phone was lasting so long. And, you know, sure, it gets this power boost, but hilariously it now gets this power boost for the next seasons until something yep. else can, you know, more permanently fix that issue but it's 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 still silly like i wish they'd i don't know what else would have made sense i just it's weird that they wrote the phone into being a core part of the show you know it's the same thing that they did in owl house they just seemingly thought because it's a teenager they need a phone <laughs> doesn't matter if they're in a magical world and the juxtaposition will be interesting what do teenagers like phones they could have had like you know they had the the crazy guy who carves the wood. They could add a crazy electricity guy who charged it for her. He would have been a fun addition. But no, we need a small core cast. Right, like, I guess I don't need reality. You could have made him a Doc Brown ripoff, and that would have been glorious. Doc Brown as a as a frog? Great Scott! Right, except all of it would exist to serve charging her phone, which is why they didn't write it, right? <laughs> like, at the end of the day... You sit down and you write a pros and cons list of like, all right, we wanted to have a phone. How much do we actually care about explaining it? Uh, We don't. (laughs) So we'll just do whatever the bare minimum is. But in the pros column, you have Doc Brown. 
I mean, it would be amazing. I loved uh, that actor's appearance in Over the Garden Wall. Is he still around, though? Like, can he voice act? Or would he have to voice act from the grave? I do not really keep track of these things. That's okay. You could you could just have a Doc Brown-inspired character, if nothing else. Yeah, let's see Christopher Lloyd. I, I just think they should have had a... Uh, in, instead of having it be... 10,000% was it? They should have just had the, the, the just, they make it clear that the zeros are going off of the screen. I mean, yeah, but also, uh, I mean, the battery tech. But you saw how far she went on 100%. You know what? Here's what I needed. I needed to see magic sparkles. How about that? Just any magic sparkles and I'll buy it. You say magic sparkles and the first thing I think is glimmer, so... Well, I have been watching Shira, so. <laughs> Ooh, or Sparkle Cadet. Man, is every show just about magic and portals? I swear to God. <laughs> Doorway to <laughs> Helen, like, Craig of the Creek. I cannot escape watching shows about magical girls in technical worlds. Magical girls and isekai adventures. Oh my God. I didn't realize it just, I can't get out of it. <laughs> At least in Steven Universe, early on, they decided the gems were not going to be from another dimension. That was on the table, though, at one point. So, <laughs> who knows? Uh, eh, Maybe that's still part of the fun. deep lore. Would've I mean, been fun. Pink Diamond had access to portals. That's all I'm saying. Now you're thinking with portals. I mean, literally to other dimensions, whatever Lion's Pocket dimension is, I think they were saving that one in the back pocket. It's suspicious. That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, you have to be suspicious on Suspicion Island. Anyway, guys, that's been us on the Domino Effect and Taking Charge. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>